This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Week 11 in the NFL, I'm Charlie Misano alongside Andrew Posadas, Evan Janikin, Chris Bocci doing our fantasy hits, Emmanuel Rivari, our producer in the back. Also have a shadow today, Andrew Galota. Um, excited to get this show going on the road. Yeah, Charlie, it was an eventful night last night there between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And, and Evan, we were talking about it a little earlier, just unca- just something we've never seen before in those last 15 seconds or so between Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph. The funny thing is, it was kind of like uneventful until that happened. And most fans have probably turned off the game by then. And then all of a sudden you go on social media and you see Miles Garrett tried to kill Mason Rudolph literally attempted murder so it was unbelievable that that transpired the way that it did I don't know what your guys thoughts on it is but I think that it's you know a case where the NFL does have to look a lot more deeply into the players involved so just to reset I mean unless you're living under a rock I mean the big news last night the Browns beat the Steelers 21-7 but again that's not the story of the game it's Miles Garrett with only eight seconds left in the game just goes wild uh, in a last sequence of the game, him and Mason Rudolph get into a tussle. He rips his helmet off of his head and smashes his helmet, Mason Rudolph's helmet, on his own head. And it, a big fight ensues. Pouncey comes in and punches and kicks him. Uh, Oban Joby of the Browns comes in and shoves Mason Rudolph. A lot of players left the bench. I mean, it was just total chaos in Cleveland last night. I'm surprised there's not a dent in Mason Rudolph's head. He really bashed it over his head, that helmet. And the thing is... The NFL says they suspended him indefinitely. I think that personally he should be banned from the league. I mean, if you do something that ferocious, that is unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable. You can get caught up in the heat of the moment all you want, but I might retract the statement saying banned from the league completely, but no doubt he shouldn't play a game for at least a year, a year and a half. I mean, I would agree with the fact that he should get suspended for a year. A lifetime ban might be a little bit much of a, a stretch. Harsh. But uh, really, it's it's interesting because Miles Garrett has had some dirty plays throughout the season. Uh, he, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he sacked uh, Trevor Simeon against the Jets, put him out for the for the rest of the year. And everyone talks about Miles Garrett being this guy who uh, writes poetry and philo- just a philosophy kind of guy, a guy who's more mind than uh, brawn. Yet obviously, he's a massive human being. But just to see him black out like that. It really, Charlie, it's something that we may never see again, and I'm sure with this indefinite ban, we will never see another player try to assault someone w- with their own helmet. And just to recap the the fines and suspensions, uh, both organizations, which I was surprised about, were both fined $250,000, so a total of 500000 half a million dollars. That's not chump change. Um, Garrett was suspended indefinitely without pay. For the minimum of the, at least the minimum of the regular season, and if the Browns somehow make the playoffs, which I don't think will happen without, especially without him on the field on defense, um, Marquise Pouncey suspended three games without pay, and uh, I'm having trouble, gonna have trouble. Oh, it's just Larry Ogunjobi uh, suspended one game for that push on Mason Rudolph. But overall, I mean, I was I was shocked to see that last night. I, like you said, I thought Miles Garrett was was a better a better man and a better player like that. His Twitter bio um, even reads something something I have to get it along, but he has something on his Twitter that basically shows like he's a man of character, but clearly it doesn't result. There was obviously something that must have instigated that fight, and I'm not saying that it's 
Rudolph's fault by any stretch of the word. I mean, what happened to him was terrible, but at the same time, there was definitely some instigation that the NFL needs to start reviewing a little bit because Mason Rudolph is not innocent in this, despite obviously being the huge victim here. And then in Miles Garrett's Twitter bio reads, A hero is made by the path he chooses, not by the power he is graced with. Pretty pretty powerful stuff, especially after what he did last night. That's beautiful irony. Yeah, and after the game, he said he spoke to the media and said, you know, quote, that's out of character, but a situation like that where it's an emotional game and I allowed myself to fall into those emotions with what happened. Well, the problem is, is he didn't divulge any further into what set him off, actually. But, you know, if you look at the replay, Mason Rudolph was upset. He tried to take Miles Garrett's helmet off first, but I think that was more so the fact that Garrett kind of finished that sack a little bit more than he should have. He could have kept Rudolph upright. The play could have been over. It was, I mean, it was a simple screen. Yeah, play it wasn't even a game. sack. I mean, he already dumped the ball off to Samuels, uh, and the play with the play from Rudolph was at least over. Yeah, and Rudolph said after the game that he's just not going to tolerate any bullying. So perhaps Garrett had said something just getting under. Rudolph's skin. I mean, he had a terrible game last night. Had about what three or four interceptions. Three interceptions. Yeah. Three interceptions. So maybe Miles Garrett had said something a little bit more to instigate. Then he slams him onto the field, and, and from there you can understand why Rudolph would be upset. But I mean, there's just no excuse for Miles Garrett to ever think that he can take somebody's helmet off, hold on to it, and then swing at it. Because if you get hit with that crown of the helmet. Your skull is probably getting split open. We're seeing blood, and we're having a totally different conversation where, Evan, to your point, we might be talking about suspending him or banning him from the NFL for life. And obviously, um, with with Miles Garrett being gone, we can. I want to focus a little bit more on the game aspect of it. Browns are now 4-6, and six, play Miami next week, could easily improve to 5-6 and six and maybe get back to 500 the following week. So, I mean, this Browns team, just when they, when they, when they quote-unquote win, they still lose, considering that, um, as Freddie Kitchens after the game said, first time in a long time where they beat the Ravens and the Steelers in the same year, and it just got totally overshadowed. Yeah, and to that point, I think Freddie Kitchens has at least saved himself for a couple weeks. I still don't think that he's a very smart coach. At the same time, I think last night was more of a testament to how the Steelers played than how the Browns played, albeit the Browns were they played decent, but I think that Mason Rudolph really was just atrocious last night for most of the game, and that's kind of where that result came in. And also early on, James Conner ruled out Juju Smith-Schuster out, so they were da- they were very depleted last night. But what I will say, though, it was an impressive showing from Baker Mayfield against a Steelers defense that has really retooled Devin Bush. You got Cam Hayward on the defensive line. They got Minka Fitzpatrick, who's really been the saving grace for that secondary. So with all that being said, having a great game from Baker Mayfield – OBJ getting more involved into the offense, getting more targets, and then you get this in the final seconds. So now you're moving forward without your best defensive player, and now with this Cleveland offense starting to get going, you got to expect that the defense is going to regress, and there could be a few losses down the stretch that really could be attributed to Miles Garrett's, uh, you know, his his bad decision. You would hope for such a confident guy like Baker Mayfield that he wouldn't really need like a kick in the butt like this kind of game. I mean, he has stepped up this game. He played well, but hopefully for him, this can at least you know give him a little bit more confidence going forward because he just hasn't really looked like that guy that he did last year at all this year. So I, I don't know what this means for the offense going forward. Obviously, the defense is hurt big time, but the Browns are really going to need to step up if they want to even come close to scrounging a play. And just one more one more point on the Browns. I mean, they're the, the highest penalized uh, team in the league. Um, they have a lot of guys in that locker room who have um, 
questionable personalities, obviously Kareem Hunt in that locker room, Miles Garrett now after this incident last night, OBJ can be seen as a quote-unquote diva, Baker Mayfield. Uh, his ego is obviously very big for a quarterback who, who's been struggling all year and last year had a big year. So it's just, I guess this the rest of the season will be a big testament on how Freddie Kitchens, Kitchens excuse me, can wrang, wrangle in all these guys and just make sure this team focuses on the task at hand, and that's to at least try and make the playoffs. Yeah, and what did we hear before the season? Freddie Kitchens, he's a player's coach. He, he can get in tune with them. He can get the best out of his players. But, but so far, Baker Mayfield, he's been inconsistent. OBJ has started to talk a little bit more about how he wants the ball more. And now Miles Garrett puts himself in a position where he's out for the rest of the season and perhaps the playoffs should they make it. So, so at this point, for a first-year head coach, just everything just has been an up-and-down, just a roller coaster for Coach Kitchens. Yeah, and I don't know about you guys, but on the Steelers' side for me, I think that you can at least take out of this if you're a Steelers fan. Obviously, they're starting to win some games. You kind of get taken out of your flow with these injuries. But for me, if you're a Steelers fan, you have to kind of look back and say, okay, maybe Mason Rudolph kind of isn't the next guy to succeed Ben Roethlisberger. For me, he just hasn't shown that he has the ability to do that. In the future, I think that now you have to plan around, okay, we're going to have to draft a quarterback. So if if you're a Steelers fan, I think that at least you can draw that out of these past, you know, few weeks I actually stand corrected Rudolph had four picks last night so he had one touchdown but overall like Evan said once Ben Roethlisberger comes back next year I think next year will be his swan song that'll be it and then it'll be for them it'll be planning in April of who they're going to draft uh come moving forward in that franchise yeah and you mentioned that they lost James Conner they lost Juju so really at the end of the day what, what we've seen from Mason Rudolph is he's a good game manager when he has parts around him when he has a number one wide receiver when he has a guy like James Conner and uh, Samuels who can give a good backup punch to the running back position when that is working and the defense is going and they're able to force turnovers and get some scores on the other side Mason Rudolph is exactly what you need he'll be accurate he'll give you exactly he'll give you a few yards touchdown or two and he'll get you the win but when when the offense isn't right and there's some things going on on both sides he gets exposed for for someone who might be a little headstrong and maybe tries to fit too many windows and and that leads to turnovers a lot of times. Yeah, it's absolutely just not a year that I could see the Steelers contending, especially with that contending, I should say. But with that, you know, quarterback situation going on right now, you got Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. I just don't think it's enough to propel you. Obviously, there's a lot of positives going in their way right now. The Minka Fitzpatrick trade has turned out fantastic for them. I don't think they could draft a guy that was going to make more of an impact than Minka Fitzpatrick is for them now. So, again, a lot of positives to draw on, but this just isn't really the Steelers' year. That'll wrap up our Thursday Night Football talk. Before we go into our fantasy and Jets and Giants segment, just quickly before we we go into those others, uh, the other big news of the week, Colin Kaepernick having a workout on Saturday, tomorrow, um, in Atlanta. 11 teams are ready, saying that they're committed to going. Um, Hugh Jackson, the ex-Browns coach, who was awful, um, is leading leading the workout. Uh, Just some quick takeaways of that before we head on to our next segments. I am shocked and I don't know you could double check it for me but I didn't see the Bears on that list. Uh, what are they doing not on that list? I'll, not ch- I'll scouting check the Colin list. Kaepernick. I'm not sure. I know the Dolphins are on that list. Yeah, the Dolphins are on that list. There were a few surprises on that list too. I think, I think the, the Giants think the are Patriots, on that list as the well. The Patriots are on it. I think that's a good As of sign right now the Bears are not on that list. That's unbelievable. That is unacceptable. I mean, that says a lot about their delusion in and Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky, Trubisky yeah. moving forward. It's crazy. 
that is absolutely unacceptable. But, but it's good for him. No, and, and what I will say is I feel like the NFL, really, this is just a ploy to just let their fans know, hey, we're giving Colin a chance. Like, see, we're, we're trying to get him back in the league. But but when you notify somebody on a Tuesday that in, what is it, Wednesday, Thursday, about four days from, from that, you're going to have to work out in front of scouts, in front of executives. I, I mean, I have to credit Kaepernick for – committing and saying all right I'll be there on Saturday because he could have easily said wait hold on a second let me get a week or two L- let me get ready let me set up let me find some wide receivers Antonio Brown went on Twitter saying that he would love to come on Saturday just so he can show executives and scouts what he has left in case he gets signed later on down the line but I think AB will be back in the league next year that's just a totally different story but go ahead but but yeah I think all things being considered it just feels very rushed, and it feels like it's kind of setting Kaepernick up to fail. He might be a little inaccurate, might not have as much rapport with the receivers as he should. So credit to him for committing to it, but I just don't see how it benefits him long term considering that this has just come out of the blue. What's sad is he has value for a team. He could he could potentially have value in this run-pass kind of heavy style that the NFL is adapting to now where you know you want a guy who can run as well as pass. Colin Kaepernick, I'm not saying he would be a top 10 or even 15 quarterback, but he could have some value in this league. There's certainly situations that you could look at. We talked about the Bears situation. I just think that he could still have value in this league, and it's you know it's sad what the NFL is doing. I don't know. We'll have to see what's going to happen. Uh, we'll obviously see tomorrow what, what, what comes out of that, and if it's just a, a ploy to um, please fans or please uh, Colin Kaepernick supporters. Um, but, yeah, I mean – like I said, we'll have to see and just go from there uh, with this situation. But yeah, now let's. I want to go into the Jets and Giants. But before that, Chris Bocci has our first fantasy hit. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. Guys, uh, studs for you. I got three of them, and I'm going to give you a quarterback, running back, and receiver. Let's start in Philadelphia where New England travels. Tom Brady is a stud this week. He's been the 11th quarterback in fantasy, pretty underwhelming. But Brady off the bye, and Brady uh, adding Mohamed Sanu in a rematch of Super Bowl 52. I would expect big numbers from Tom Brady. you got to start him this week. Let's move to running back. Le'Veon Bell is just waiting to burst, and I imagine it will happen this week he's the 17th best running back in fantasy so another underwhelming uh, performance but he goes into Washington which is has, has allowed the fifth most rushing yards per game in the NFL and I imagine he goes off against the Redskins and let's look at a receiver Keenan Allen who has been the 56th receiver uh, since week four so again a guy who has struggled he goes down to Mich- to Mexico City with his Chargers and I imagine that will be a shootout and he is poised to uh, stand out. So those are my studs. It's Brady, Bell, and Allen. Chris, for the Jets' sake, I hope that Le'Veon Bell breaks out uh, against that putrid Washington Redskins defense. <laughs> it, 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 it's time. It, it's time for, for, for it to happen because he hasn't had – I think he's probably been the, the, the one silver lining this year. He's played pretty well, but he just hasn't had a big game yet. Right. So I, that's a perfect segue because now let's talk about gangrene and – the week they had last week, and now moving ahead to this week. Gang Green defeated their crosstown. No, I shouldn't even say crosstown. They're in the same state. Uh, rival the New York Giants, 34-27. 
at MetLife Stadium. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in my Jets report and looking ahead to the Washington Redskins matchup on Sunday. It's official. The Jets are no longer the worst team in New York. Well, at least for right now. Coming off one of the worst losses in franchise history, the Jets needed to come out and beat the Giants in the Battle of New York. On the backs of Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold, the green and white outlasted Big Blue 34-27. Adams had probably the best game of his career, sacking Daniel Jones twice, forcing fumbles on both of those plays, one of them he even returned for a touchdown, and had nine total tackles. Darnold threw for 230 yards, scored two touchdowns, and didn't throw an interception for the first time since week one. The victory was a long time coming for this team, and Adams was happy to get back in the win column. It's great. It's a good feeling, obviously. Um, you know, we came out and played complimentary football, and we played team football. That's what matters the most, and we came out victorious. The win may have bought head coach Adam Gase more time at the helm. Team owner Christopher Johnson said this week Gase's job is safe this season and moving forward into 2020. To the dismay of many fans, this move was not a popular one, and only time will tell how Gase's tenure will play out. Regardless, the easy second-half schedule continues this week for Gang Green. They head to the nation's capital on Sunday for a matchup with Dwayne Haskins and the 1-8 Redskins. This marks the second straight week where the Jets' defense will line up across from a rookie quarterback. Haskins will make his second career start and looks to throw his first NFL touchdown in front of the home crowd. I think Haskins will get that feat done on Sunday, but the Jets will have the last laugh. For the first time in a couple of weeks, I actually have New York winning 28-17 and improve their record to 3-7. Hey, that'll give them two straight wins, and as Darnold said post-game last week, their hopes at making the playoffs will still be alive. Covering the... I'm Charlie Misano, WFUV Sports. So the Jets this week, second week in a row, as I said in my report, going up against a rookie quarterback, Dwayne Haskins of the Washington Redskins. I mean, he's making only his second career start in the league, and he's still looking for his first career touchdown. I still think that uh, the Jets' defense will, will feast on him. Yeah, I mean, uh, so many Giants fans spoke about choosing Haskins over Daniel Jones, and just looking at both quarterbacks, you can just see that Daniel Jones looks much more ready for the game now. Haskins is still having trouble following his reads. And right now for the Jets, I mean, it doesn't get any easier than to go into Washington where there is no home field advantage. Them and the Chargers, they get no fans going to their stadiums, their respective stadiums. So this should be a guaranteed win. The Jets should get their third win of the season. Now, will they? I mean, we've yet to see. We saw them lose against the Dolphins when we thought they were going to stomp them. So really just hoping it's a win, but it's not for sure. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, with Dwayne Haskins, and I've said this from the start, I just think he was thrown into the worst possible situation for any rookie quarterback. Not as bad as Josh Rosen last year and this year. That was another bad situation. But this, I, th I still think that the Redskins are probably the worst organization in football. And again, they started him. His first game was he was just thrown into a blowout in the middle of the game when he really didn't have a chance to warm up or anything. So going forward, obviously, I don't know if that affected his confidence. But again, he does not look great. But I'll keep harping on that fact that I don't think that he's in the right situation with the Redskins. I want to backtrack a little bit because Andrew mentioned Daniel Jones and they played the Giants last week. I was I was honestly shocked to see that the Jets pulled off that victory against the Giants. I mean... They, came, they went up early 14 nothing, but then obviously the Giants started creeping back in. 
were only down 14-13, eventually took the lead later in the fourth quarter. Um, but it's a, I guess it's a true testament to um, Adam Adam Gase's game plan and the way the team played on Sunday. Yeah, and it was also the Jamal Adams show. Yeah. I mean, Emmanuel was just talking about last week how J- Jamal Adams shouldn't be having this loud voice all the time and how, you know, maybe he's just a, he's just a Pro Bowl safety, so maybe he shouldn't be you know, firing off all these lines all the time. But you know what? He showed it this week. He Obviously, that huge strip on Daniel Jones, that was just mean. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that that should be allowed. That was just mean, that sack. And then, obviously, he had, I think it was eight tackles, two sacks. He didn't have any picks, but obviously he scored the touchdown. Yeah. So it was, just an unreal the, game. It was the best game of his, of his career by far. He, he, backed him, he backed it up. What do you think, Andrew? And, and, I mean, you spoke about Coach Gase, and obviously Christopher Johnson was uh, – speaking earlier in the week to the media and he gave Gase that vote that he'll remain the coach not only through this season but for next season too so even if they are to have a disappointment a disappointing game against the Redskins and should they lose to the Dolphins again uh, which would be crazy to think of considering how you know how bad they've been although they've won two straight but moving forward it really doesn't matter how the Jets finish the year even if they lose the rest of their games to, to finish the season from what we know from Chris Johnson and uh, and Joe Douglas, Gase will be there next season. So, you know, at this point, you could kind of throw this season away and, and Gase can reset because most of the players here, they aren't his guys. Well, Sam Darnold certainly thinks it matters how the rest of the season turns out. Didn't he say, I think we still have a shot at the playoffs? I was standing right next to him when he said, well, I think we still have a shot at the playoffs. I, I didn't want to laugh in his face. but uh, Yeah, that must have been really hard. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was rough. I mean, considering... This team only has two wins on the season, and they they lost to the potentially the worst team in football. And he's coming out here saying after a, a win against another terrible team that oh we could still make the playoffs. Yeah, he, said, he said we could run the tables, right? And then I don't know how many delusional Jets fans there are, but I think that there are some Jets fans that you could look at that schedule and be like, you know what? Maybe we could kind no. of finagle our way into it's the not playoffs. happening. No? I I mean. I'm not saying it's happening, but I'm saying you could convince yourself. Uh, there's just been so much inconsistency on both sides of the ball. I mean, credit to the Jets' defense. You know, they've been good against the run, but you know they blew that lead against Buffalo in the season opener. So, so both teams, I mean, they've gone th- – uh, well, for the Jets on both sides, they've gone through injuries, but, but it's just really been inconsistent and, and really perhaps the most disappointing team in the NFL, the New York Jets right now, them, the Atlanta Falcons. It, it really just has been – a roller coaster type of year for Gase. Uh, just just to stick with the Adam Gase situation, then Evan wants to bring up another point with this Jets team. Um, I thought it was pretty premature of Christopher Johnson to come out and say that oh he's safe for twenty twenty. I don't know what he's see what has he seen from Adam Gase that shows that he's the guy that should leave the lead this franchise in the future. I mean, I think it goes back to the fact that the Jets just don't want to start over again. They don't want to get another head coach because then that means that they're wiping the slate clean. They're trying to give Adam Gase a chance. And you know what? You should give him a second year. But if this continues and this team still can't make that next step where they're competing for perhaps an AFC East crown, then I would have to think that Joe Douglas goes to Christopher Johnson and says, hey, let me bring my guy and let me start drafting and let me start reworking this team well, in, in my image. Do you give Adam Gase a little bit of a break considering the Darnold situation at all? I mean, I would give him the rest of the season, but if they finish 3-13, and 13, Adam Gase is gone. No, in, I agree. In my, in my yeah. opinion. Well, uh, yeah, I, well, I would say if this season, if they say that he's not going to get fired this season, I'll have to believe Christopher Johnson. But again, if they start 2-7 and seven next season, 
I could definitely see Adam Gase being fired right then and there in the middle of the 2020 season. And then just when you think they win, there's this whole Anunwa situation yeah. coming up. So I don't know what you guys think about that. My takeaway is obviously it's not ideal for the Jets. It's not a good look, but at the same time, he definitely should have let them know ahead of time that he was going to Well, just, just to, again, recap that situation, Quincy Nunwa out for the season with another neck injury, and he's been with the team rehabbing, but apparently he didn't inform the team that he was miss, going to miss um, two rehab treatments, and they fined him $27,000, which I was pretty surprised to see. Yeah, rega- regardless of whether he told them ahead of time, it's a bad look for the Jets. I mean, personally, it just is. Andrew, you were going to say something. No, and uh, he went on Twitter to say that he missed time because he was w- on Veterans Day. He was with his wife, who is a veteran, and they had went out. And, and obviously, you need to tell your team beforehand where you're going. But but if you're the New York Jets— and Anunwa has been somebody, he's been there for a while. He's a mainstay. He's been there for several years, one of the veterans on that team. So you would think that the Jets would give him some leeway and say, all right, we understand that reason. You, you were with your wife enjoying the holiday. All right, all things being considered, let's wipe that fine clean. But to give him the max fine for that, I think is really telling of this organization and how they treat their players. I understand trying to set that standard, but like you said, it's a guy that's been there for years now, and he's obviously didn't do it for any like mal feelings towards the Jets. Yeah, but, no ill will. Yeah, exactly. No ill will towards the Jets at all, but I, I just think they definitely should not have given him the max fine. 27000 was it? It was more. Yeah, it was around that. Unreal. Uh, on, on, overall, I, I think the whole situation is ridiculous. Um, I think that's just a testament to who was in the building, a.k.a. Adam Gase and uh, Christopher Johnson's own, ownership skills. Um, I, I'm, I'm reserving judgment on, on Joe Douglas just because he is so fresh into the position, and he's he's regarded as a very, very good person. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm just not a fan of the, the whole situation. Yeah, and we'll see what Joe Douglas can do because now going into next season, he'll have a chance to draft some guys, get some free agents, bring in people that or players that he believes can come in and contribute and impact both sides of the field. And again, as I said, if he does bring in the right pieces and this team is still under 500 going into next season, then yeah, Adam Gase is definitely gone. I mean, his clock is ticking right now, and he really has the rest of this year and perhaps maybe the first half of the 2020 season You know, before we find out should he get fired or not, depending on how they perform. Now I want to switch gears to the other team in New York. That's the Giants. But before that, uh, let's go to Chris for another fantasy hit. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. Here's who you're sitting. Uh, some duds for you. Carson Wentz. I can't stand the guy this season for Philadelphia. He hasn't finished in the top eight of quarterbacks in a single game this season. And he's got the New England Patriots coming to town. So you got to sit Carson Wentz. Only one quarterback this year has scored more than 12 against New England. That was Lamar Jackson. And Carson Wentz is no Lamar Jackson this year. David Montgomery, my running back, who I'm sitting this week, a dud. This guy's been pretty frustrating, too. He's been good, but not great. Chicago, they play the Rams, who have the number one run defense in the National Football League in the past four weeks. Montgomery had two good weeks in the beginning of the year, but I'm seeing a lot of fours, eights, and sevens in his uh, fantasy lines. So, staying away from Montgomery. At receiver, Stephon Diggs. He goes into Denver, a bad team, but... In the last two weeks, just four catches for 53 yards for Diggs. He's been slow, and he'll have Chris Harris in coverage, who's limited the likes of Devontae Adams and Keenan Allen this season. So staying away from Diggs, staying away from Montgomery, and definitely sitting Wentz. Those are my duds. 
appreciate you, Chris. We'll get you on for one more fantasy segment later on. But first, now let's go to our Big Blue segment. And for the Giants, they're coming off potentially their worst worst loss of the season to the Jets. Uh, I don't think for at least many Jets fans expected the, the Giants to come out and win. I mean, excuse me, I don't think many Jets fans expected the Jets to come out and win. Uh, Brianna Leverty has more on that loss. And again, they have a bye this week. So looking ahead uh, for the rest of the season for Big Blue. The first Sunday without Giants football in 10 weeks. And honestly, it feels more like a relief than a disappointment at not being able to watch the G-Men play. Last weekend's 34-27 loss to the Jets was a huge embarrassment that solidified Big Blue's title as the worst team in New York. The most shocking part of the game, however, was Saquon Barkley's performance. The star running back had 13 carries for only a single yard against the Jets of all teams. On the other hand, Daniel Jones and his wide receivers played great. While DJ may have lost one fumble that led to a Jets touchdown, he threw no interceptions, led the team with 20 yards rushing, and completed 26 of 40 passes for 308 yards and four touchdowns, earning himself a third Rookie of the Week nomination. Even more impressive was Jones' resilience throughout the game. With two starting offensive linemen out with injuries and then a third lost in the first half, DJ was sacked six times, but he always got back up and played well, despite the lack of sufficient protection. Joining Jones with a Rookie of the Week nom was wide receiver Darius Slayton, who has emerged as one of Jones' favorite targets this year. Slayton had 10 catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. But the impressive offensive performances just go to demonstrate how terrible Big Blue's defense is. And with only two wins on the season, general manager Dave Gettleman and head coach Pat Shermer are officially on the hot seat. But despite the team's failures week in and week out, Shermer remains adamant that they're headed in the right direction. I think I'm seeing the things that um, will help us in the long run. Certainly we haven't done enough in the, in the short run. And we're all going to get to see now all, the, all these young players, and we added a few more out there today. We're going to get to see them develop. With a sixth straight loss, though, this bye week gives both the team and fans a much-needed break. Covering the Giants, I'm Brianna Leverty, WFUV Sports. As Brianna mentioned, Giants, and I mentioned it before, Giants in a bye week, but first got to discuss that loss to the Jets. Um, Daniel Jones actually had a pretty good game throwing four, four touchdowns, looked pretty, pretty poised in the pocket. Again, he just needs to work on his fumbling situation, leads the league and fumbles and, and total turnovers. He also needs to work on having a better offensive line. I mean, what was it? Another game, six-plus sacks? It's happened yeah, quite it a few six, times. Six sacks total for the Jets. So, yeah, it's happened quite a few times this season. So that's just going forward saying that obviously you don't want with a young quarterback. Yeah, the problem with this Giants team is the offensive line is awful and that defense is just terrible. There's really nothing they can do in the secondary, and the Jets were able to score 34 points and just have their own offensive explosion against that defense and really now that's that's the sixth straight loss so this bye week couldn't have come at, at a better time for the Giants yeah and especially for Saquon Barkley who gets to get a little rest I mean 13 they, carries one yard and they admitted after the game that he was injured so then why did you play him why did you rush him back in a season that's essentially lost I mean you got to give Daniel Jones some weapons with Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard out I'm gonna roll out roll out against the Jets a, t- a game that you must win your your hometown rival 
with Darius Slayton as your number one uh, target. But at the expense of your future. Like, what if he had gotten? What if he had I further think, injured himself? I think Saquon's himself? a baller. I don't think that. I don't think he would have. He was going to sit that game unless it was absolutely necessary. Yeah, I agree. And w- when he spoke to media members who asked him if should he just shut it down for the rest of the season, he quickly dismissed that and said, "If if I'm good to go, I'm going to play." And, and I think for Saquon, maybe he told the Giants. The Giants might have asked him, "Hey, are you good to go?" And for players, they don't want to tell the truth and say, hey, you know what, maybe I'm better off sitting out. Saquon wanted to play, but at what cost in the long term for this Giants team who who are looking to contend in the next two to three years if they put the pieces together? That's what I mean. At, at some point as a player, you have to sit back and say, okay, maybe this is a huge game. Maybe I want to put this statement out there. Okay, I'm a tough guy. I want to play. I want to play through this injury. But at the same time, you have to realize you're a huge asset to this team and you can't go out there if you're not – totally healthy and the 13 carries for one yard i think kind of shows that he wasn't that healthy or at least not comfortable playing uh, on that injury. i'm not gonna blame uh, it all on him i mean that offensive line played like garbage yeah but at the same time you can't deny that it at least i don't know if it affected his mentality or just the way he played 13 carries one yard he's a guy that even with a poor offensive line can get it done himself a lot of the time so that's just my opinion. Yeah, and you mentioned that three of these six losses are by one score. The loss against the Jets by seven, the Lions were by five, and then the Cardinals by six. So th- this team could easy, easily be five and five, and we could be wondering, hey, Daniel Jones is leading the Giants to perhaps a potential wild card spot. So really it's just the Giants have been on a, on a, the wrong end of of a few close losses in in this losing streak, and obviously the big the big storyline in in New York football is Adam Gase uh, and on the hot seat. But Pat Shermer is definitely um, on the hot seat as well. I think he's actually going to get fired more than Gase would uh, for the Jets. Yeah, I mean definitely, not, especially now that they've essentially given him a safe card, Adam Gase. I think that Sh- personally, I think Shermer will be back next season. That's no. just my opinion, but I don't think he should. No, no, definitely not. It just hasn't worked out, and the Giants are such, I mean, as as are the Jets. They're an historic franchise that they have a standard of excellence that they want to continue to have, almost like what the Patriots have done. You know, the Giants, the Jets, those are two teams that should be contenders each and every year, and we, I mean, I think Pat Sherman's had at least enough time. We've seen enough that we don't think that this team is going to get any better, so maybe for the Giants more so, it's probably imperative that they wipe the slate clean, bring in somebody new, and try and build this team around Daniel Jones and Saquon and build that defense back up, starting with the line to, to get things going You know, in New York. Exactly, and next season you're going to have so many fresh faces that I agree it would 100% be the right move to fire Pat Shermer and start clean. So going forward again, build through the draft, Hopefully use a little bit of cap space to sign some free agents on the, and focus on defense because that's what's made the Giants great in the past. I mean, Dave Gettleman is pretty much working working to save his own job. So in order to save his own job, I think he's going to pull the plug on, on the Pat Shermer experience, um, hire one more head coach, and then if they if they struggle again next year, then I think Dave Gettleman is gone. But at the same time, you could argue maybe the Mariners just fire them both. Why why keep Dave Gettleman an extra year if if you're going to end up firing him next year? Maybe they just want to wipe the slate clean, hire a new general manager, then he hires a new head coach, 
I mean, obviously Gettleman drafted Jones, but yeah. you just have to work with what you're given. Exactly. He's the guy that drafted Jones, and that's why they might stick in the direction of, okay, he knows the guy, he studied the guy, maybe he knows how to build around this guy right. to you know propel the team forward. So I would honestly agree with you. I don't think that Gettleman should be the GM going forward, but at the same time, I think the Giants are going to see it from that lens that, okay, he drafted the guy. I think we're going to stay confident that he can build around him at least for a year or two. Yeah, and it would it would be smart to just clean house, get Gettleman out of there, Shermer, because then from there, then you can bring in a new GM, and that GM can handpick who he wants the successor to be at the head coaching position. But again, Daniel Jones won't be the guy, whoever the new GM is, whoever the head coach is, they, they didn't choose Daniel Jones. So that will be something interesting to look at if Daniel Jones struggles with a new head coach and under a new regime do they decide, hey, maybe this this wasn't our guy in the first place. If they end up with a top five pick in the next three years, do they make that decision of, hey, let's go after a quarterback and get our guy here for the blue and white? It's going to be really dependent on how Daniel Jones plays in the next couple of years, obviously. But at the same time, if you start fresh with another coach, do you give Daniel Jones then another year to say, okay, maybe you know he's had two coaches in his first two years, he hasn't had the proper chance to develop. So I could see what you're saying, but drafting a quarterback in the top five within the next three years I think would be a huge mistake. Last question just to wrap up the Giants segment. Who's in a worse situation moving forward, the Jets or the Giants? Jets. I would have to say the Jets too. It just doesn't feel like anything is going right for them over there on that side. I've said in the past that the Jets have a worse situation, but I think that win kind of helped a little bit. I mean, you have Sam Darnold, you have pieces in Le'Veon Bell. Um, Jamal Adams, I mean, right now he's on the team. He could get traded in the offseason. But I think that the Jets um, overall are going to win more games this year and also go into the offseason next year with confidence that they can come back, um, whether it's with Adam Gase or not, and be a better team. 100%. The Jets have studs. They have a lot of studs. I just don't feel confident that management will be able to build depth and pieces around those studs to take them to that next level. I just really have zero confidence. They've shown me nothing to tell me that they would be able to do that. And coming into the season, we expected the Jets to try and contend for a wild card spot. We, we didn't think much of the Giants. We knew that offensive line was shaky. We knew that defense. They lost Landon Collins, Olivier Vernon. We knew they were going to regress and they weren't going to be that very good. So, so moving forward, it really is a disappointment that the Jets aren't at 500 or better right now considering the talent that – you know, they had bringing in Mosley. I know he's hurt Le'Veon Bell, but it just felt like the Jets were ready to make that next step and really get back out of the cellar. And they just did it. Exactly. You looked at their offseason and you really couldn't point out a, a major point that you could say, okay, this was a terrible offseason. It was a decent offseason. I mean, they didn't sign any offensive linemen besides trading for Coleccio Semele, and he's not on the team anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I still think that CJ Mosley was a little bit of an overpay, but I won't get into that. That'll do it for our Jets and Giants segments of the show. Uh, one more hit from Chris and then round out with our Pick'em segment. Chris? Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. Finally, guys, some sleepers. Let's start with Jameis Winston in Tampa Bay. This is a guy who you really never know what you're going to get, but I imagine we'll see his better half against New Orleans in which we may see a shootout. Uh, he's averaged 350 passing yards in his last four games, a guy who can really haul it, uh, and the Saints will be without Marshawn Lattimore in their secondary. So I like Jameis Winston this week. I would start him. 
Devin Singletary is a guy at running back who has outsnapped Frank Gore and asserted himself as the best running back on the Buffalo team. He's outsnapped him 122 to 57, and he averages a ridiculous 6.4 yards per carry. I think the issue with him has been the goal line carries, but he's still worth an RB2 start this week. DJ Moore from Carolina. Kyle Allen has proved that he likes this guy. More than 10 targets in each of his last two games. A real connection there, and he's had four of his last five games more than 15 fantasy points if he's not already in your lineup it's time to make that move dj moore against atlanta so it's more singletary and winston my sleepers chris i actually have devin singletary in my lineup this week so i'm hoping he balls out against the dolphins it's a nice matchup right i would think so i think josh allen's a nice matchup too this week i pretty much start anybody, <laughs> anybody. whoever plays a dolphin <laughs> just start them. Yeah. just start them. unless you're brian hoyer uh, I mean, you're a Colts <laughs> fan, so that sucks. <laughs> All right, so uh, my favorite and last segment of the show, our weekly pick em segment. This week's NFL picks. So we start right here locally. Washington against the Jets. I said it in my Jets report. I'm going with the Jets. Yeah, no home field advantage for Washington whatsoever. New York Jets defense should have fun against Dwayne Haskins. I'm going to take the Jets, too. I think this is a game that is – a statement game for the Jets, as ridiculous as it sounds. It's Washington. It should be easy, but I I imagine that they're prepared for Washington, or at least I pray so. I'm going to pick the Jets. I, I thought you were going in a different direction there, Chris, but I'm, I'm sticking Jets, too. I think they're coming off a big win. It's a perfect week for them to trample the Washington Redskins. Evans, Indianapolis Colts coming off a loss to the putrid Miami Dolphins facing off against Nick Foles now and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to roll with the Jaguars. I think Nick Foles comes back, proves that he's the guy that should be uh, at the helm, not Gardner Minshew, and uh, I think that they come out and beat the Colts. Minshew mania was nice while it lasted, but now we're back to that Foles magic, and I'm with Charlie. I think Jacksonville goes into Indianapolis, and they get a big win, and then we're talking maybe about Nick Foles coming back and possibly leading this team to a wild card spot. Yeah, I, I, I actually I wish they they stuck with, with Minshew, but I, I, I think – the Jaguars are a decent team, and I'm I'm I've been pretty low on Indianapolis, especially since they lost Brissett. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Jacksonville. Well, Brissett will be back this week, and I blame the loss completely on Vinatieri and Hoyer last week. The loss was completely on them. So the defense played well. So I like Reich after a loss. I'm going with Indy. Buffalo Bills going to Miami for a matchup with the Dolphins. Um, I mean, this is a game Buffalo needs to win. They came they went to Cleveland and lost a game that many expected them to win, so I'm going to go with uh, Buffalo here. That Buffalo offense has looked so just inept the last couple of weeks, and and Ryan Fitzpatrick's won the last two games. You know what, Charlie? I'm going to go on the other side. I'm taking the Miami Dolphins for their third straight (laughs) win at home. Go Dolphins. I'm going to tell you the truth. I I I think Buffalo's a bad team. Am I the only one who thinks that? I don't think Buffalo's good at all. I'm taking Miami. Give them three straight. I would not say bad team. Their defense is incredible, so I'm going Buffalo. Thank you, Evan. We're uh, finally on the same same (laughs) wavelength here. Detroit without Matt Stafford, most likely against Dallas. Dallas lost at home against Minnesota on Sunday Night Football. They, again, are a team that needs to come back and bounce back on the road this time. And without Matthew Stafford, I think that the Dallas Cowboys win handily. Yeah, Ezekiel Elliott runs over 150 yards. Dak has three touchdowns, a couple to Coop, and the Dallas Cowboys have no problems against Detroit. I'm picking Dallas to win big. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think I think it's it, 
it's time for Dallas to, to show that they mean business, and that means they got to wipe the wall uh, with Detroit. For a defensive guru with uh, Matt Patricia, I think the defense has been super, super underwhelming. So I think, honestly, he could be on the hot seat. I'm going Dallas. I think this is the game of the week. Baltimore Ravens against the Houston Texans. Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson. Uh, Houston, I think, is com- they're coming off a bye, correct? Houston coming off yes. a bye? Yes. So, yeah. So, yes. um, I think that Watson will be fresh going down to Baltimore. I think that the Texans steal this win. Well, I mean, I just I have to give the edge to Baltimore just because that rushing attack is just so potent. And when they can throw out a Heisman package of Lamar Jackson, RG3, and Mark Ingram, I, I think that's what's going to be the difference against that Houston defense. I have Baltimore winning a close game against the Texans. This is the game of the week, and it's the hardest one to pick. I, I mean... Baltimore has proved me wrong when I've gone when I've gone the other way, but I do think Houston finally uh, can can correct them a little bit. Baltimore also kind of coming off a bye and playing the Cincinnati Bengals last week and trouncing them. So I'm gonna pick Baltimore. When you trounce RG3 out there and he could perform, you could do anything. I'm taking Baltimore. Kyle Allen and the Panthers taking on the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons surprising win last week against the Saints. Uh, I still think that Christian McCaffrey. And the, and the Panthers will come out and win this one. Yeah, Kyle Allen, he had a great performance in Green Bay. That's his hometown, played a good game. They could have won, but the Packers are also a good team. This Atlanta team has just been so sketchy. I just think that they get another win, though. They beat the Saints. I just think they surprise everyone, and they beat Carolina and just have two back-to-back weeks that are just weird. I'm going to take the Falcons just hard alone. Carolina, I'm big on Carolina. I like them at home. I think Atlanta last week, huge fluke. I think Carolina wins pretty handily. Yeah, I'm kind of addicted to picking the Falcons, so I'm going to stick with Carolina here just because I'm going to pick against myself. Tampa Bay and New Orleans. Uh, I mean, I think this is an easy game to pick. I'm going to just go straight up say the Saints win. Yeah, Drew Brees and company, they'll be upset. They lost to Atlanta. They got embarrassed. And I imagine that they, like the Cowboys, will win big this week. I got the New Orleans Saints. I think I, I think as an organization, they it's after an embarrassing loss, like you said last week, they bounce back. You, know, they, you don't let that become a theme. So they're going to come back, go into Tampa Bay, and beat them. Yeah, Jameis Winston, I feel like this is going to be one of those weird games where he goes off, but I'm still going to pick the Saints. Minnesota and Denver. Denver coming off a bye. Uh, Minnesota, huge win against the Cowboys, like we said earlier. I think the the Vikings and Dalvin Cook run all over the the Broncos' defense. Yeah, Dalvin Cook makes that offense go, and and when he's going, that play action with Kirk Cousins is effective. And for Denver, this is just maybe a holdover year. They're probably looking to reset going into next season. I got the Minnesota Vikings at home. I think it's one of the easier picks this week, Minnesota for sure. Yeah, it's probably one of my easier picks too, Minnesota. Philadelphia. I think uh, Philadelphia t- plays New, uh, New England. Excuse me, it says New Orleans on the spreadsheet. But, yeah, Philadelphia and New England repeat, as Chris mentioned earlier, of Super Bowl 52. Uh, the, the Eagles are home, but I- I'm going to go with the Pats. I think they went on the road. Andrew, I know you're an Eagles fan. My heart tells me to pick the Eagles, but I, I do agree with Chris that Carson Wentz, he's been so up and down sketchy. I- I'm going to go with my head here, and, and I'm going to pick the Patriots to beat the Eagles on the road. So it, it, I, I have to tell you, before the year, I circled this game on the calendar and said this could be the team that when when the when the when the New England was undefeated, I said if I think Philadelphia can beat them, 
and and I'm going to go with it. You know, I'm just going to go with it, just like I did in the Super Bowl. Give me Philadelphia. I am not going to go with it. I'm taking the Pats all the way here. I mean, I skipped the game, but uh, it's all right. It's not like there's any particular order here. But again, San Francisco hosting Arizona. San Francisco no longer undefeated after that huge Monday Night Football win for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I think that the, the 49ers come back and easily take care of Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Yeah, I think Kyler Murray gets sacked a bunch, and he takes a, a few big hits from uh, Bosa and that crew. Uh, I got San Francisco winning pretty easily against the Cardinals. Oh, this is going to be my upset pick. I, I got it circled. I like, I, you know what? I think San Francisco could use a couple losses to humble them, and uh, I think Arizona is going to put some salt in the wound after the tough Monday night loss. You know what, Chris? I was on the fence here. I think I'm going to actually go with Arizona, too, just wow. because I think Kyler Murray's coming off a big loss. He's a gamer. I could see him balling out against a really good defense. Oakland versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati, the only team left in the league to not have any wins. Zach Taylor potentially on the hot seat. We're not sure. Uh, John Gruden, on the other hand, is a candidate to win Coach of the Year. I'm going to stick with Oakland. Cincinnati remains uh, winless. Yeah, Cincinnati will go another week without a win to and this might be the easiest game to pick. O- Oakland will win this easily. Yeah, I-, I was a John Gruden doubter, but how good has he been? I mean, Oakland is legit. They could be a playoff team this year. They're going to beat Cincinnati this week. Yeah, the Bengals really have it all. You know, <laughs> I feel like they've been probably easily the worst team in the NFL, and everybody trashes on the Dolphins and the Redskins and everybody else. So good for them. They've kind of stood under the radar. I'm going Oakland. Sunday Night Football, the Rams and the Bears, I don't think – Anyone expected either of these teams to be where they are right now. Uh, the Rams are home, and they came off a really disappointing loss to the Steelers. I'm going to roll with the Rams. Yeah, this is this is a tough game, 4-5, and 5-4, five, five and four, but the difference is the Bears have Mitchell Trubisky and the Rams do not. I'm going to take the Rams to take care of business at home. You know what? I'm with you on that. I think, I think L.A. has to win this game. Uh, Chicago is not a playoff team. The Rams should be a playoff team, but they're not. Uh, it's, it's a bigger game for the Rams, and I think they win on prime time. You know what? I love the Bears before the season. I picked them last week, and I almost changed it. I'm going to stick with that magic. I'm going with the Bears. And the last game of, of the week, Monday Night Football in Mexico City, the Los Angeles Chargers against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Both teams really disappointing losses last week. Uh, Kansas City at the hands of Tennessee and the Chargers on Thursday Night Football to Oakland. I mean, this is this is another toss-up here because neither team is home. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. That's just that's just the safer pick. Yeah, Charlie, I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes too. Phillip Rivers looks really old this season. You can just see that the wear and tear is really getting to him. So I expect Kansas City to have an offensive explosion against that defense. However good, you know, you have Ingram, you have Bosa, but I think Kansas City gets the job done in Mexico City. Yeah, the Chargers have been they've been so bad this year. They've they've been so bad. Uh, give me Kansas City. I think they'll win handily. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going Kansas City, no doubt in my mind. So that'll do it for our pick'em segment. That'll do it for Week 11 edition of NFL Friday. Alongside Andrew Posadas, Evan Janikin, Chris Baccio with our fantasy hits. Andrew Galota, who's actually stepping in for E-Man to produce the rest of the show. Good stuff. Uh, Emmanuel Bavari was our producer early on, but he stepped out. Uh, but overall, I'm Charlie Masano. One-on-One's NFL Friday is a production of WFUV Sports. Thank you. Make sure to tune in next week.